welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back for the 18th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of September 23rd, 2018. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week, and I'm excited to bring you the podcast from my new place up in Bemidji. So with that said, if you're noticing some different sound stuff, let me know. I'm trying to figure out how to make this the best possible place for me to record the podcast, but I'm excited to bring this to you. I have been enjoying and trying to figure out what the heck I'm all doing with this new job up here, but it's been fun. It's been exciting, and I'm excited to continue to bring this podcast to you. So this week, I feel there's a lot of really unique things that we can talk about. I think there's some things that it's very easy to overlook in these texts for this week, and I think if we pull those out and take a look at some different examples, I think there's a lot to be obtained There's a lot to be obtained from this text. So last week's podcasting question, we had, who do you say that I am? So as you're kind of answering to yourself, and what discrepancies do you find in your own faith? And I know for me, it's something that I know is going to be coming as a big realization for myself here as becoming a youth minister and being able to to talk about and deal with these things with kids of varying ages consistently. So it's something that I think it's a continual process. I think it's a continual growth process. I think it's something that we have to continue to work on and to drive and to motivate through as we continue to go on this journey of faith together. So before we get into this week, I want to do my shameless plug that I always do for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, along with commentaries and great discussions there, I'd highly recommend checking them out. And it's worth your time. It's a worthwhile endeavor as a leader in the church to be able to get ahead and actually start preparing for the next Sunday. I think it's awesome. So this week, the gospel is out of Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 37, and we have a couple really unique things in this gospel. So first and foremost, we have the second week, and it's the second time out of three where in Mark's gospel where Jesus predicts his own death and talks about the betrayal that he's going to go through and the death and resurrection. We do not get another Sunday. We don't get the third completion of this in our lectionary text this year. So it's something to kind of think about that here we are again having this argument. And it's kind of definitely a progression because then we get that he's continuing on his journey and we get this argument that is going on between the disciples that kind of comes out as who's the greatest. And Jesus then takes a child and puts him in his arms. And the quote is from verse 37, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. And I think there's a lot there we can really dig into and look at and contemplate that I think can really bring forth in this discussion, but we'll get into that in just a few minutes. The first reading is from Jeremiah chapter 11, verses 18 through 20. And a lot of people would say when you look at verse 19, kind of ties back into the gospel text. But I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. 
So we have this, the Lamb of God type of imagery, but I would also argue is I would continue on there in verse 19. Let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living so that his name is no longer be remembered. This idea of being cut off, and we obviously can kind of understand from plants when you cut them off or uproot them that they no longer can grow. And so it's this idea of cutting us off from the faith that then separates us from God. And it's a theme that kind of continues through this week. The alternative first reading is from Proverbs chapter 31 verses 10 through 31. And this is kind of this beautiful text talking about what strong women look like in the church. And in this case, it's kind of steering you toward what a husband should be looking for. But I think there's so much in here on what strength the woman has in roles within the church and just within roles within her life. And I think there's a lot to be taken from that. And especially in a text like this that we don't often get to have woman imagery that often but the last couple weeks we have last week for god in proverbs and this week now we're getting it more in a human context of what a wife should look like i would highly recommend at least spending time and just reading through this i think it's a really interesting text to kind of look at and to contemplate the psalm this week is psalm 54 the whole thing don't worry it's only seven verses this week and Again, it's talking about how we need to continue to look to God for help, for continued strength in being able to move forward with our faith. And actually, I think it ties in extremely well with our second reading, which our second reading is from James chapter 3, verses 13 through chapter 4, verse 3, and verses 7 through 8a. And it's kind of nice summarization of James and what we've been kind of going through these last few weeks with James, which I think has been really fun. James is wrapping up then as we've talked about watching and being careful of the tongue and making sure our actions are reflecting our words. He kind of sums this section up here by making sure we understand and realize that wisdom, it does not come from us here on earth, that wisdom has to come from above that we have to be open we have to be open to receiving what god is giving us what god is providing for us so if you look here at verses seven and eight submit yourself therefore to god resist the devil and he will flee from you draw near to god and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded so this idea that we have to draw close to God, we have to bring come close. And I think it then ties back really well to thinking about this child that Jesus picks up. After we hear that disciples have been arguing and debating who is the greatest among them, we get this Jesus grabbing a child. And now if we think about in even our modern society now, children are looked at as something that continues to need to be molded, that needs to be grown. This isn't a fully furnished product, and we maybe do appreciate children more now than maybe we did then. But it's this idea that they are continue to be moldable, and that he's taking this child and setting 
this relationship that God has with this child as the example. And again, I think it gets back into something we talked about a few weeks ago. And when we talked about fear, if you remember back when Jesus was crossing the Sea of Galilee, when we talked about fear and the different chemicals and stuff that are going on in the body. And if you didn't receive that podcast, let me know and I can send that to you. When you have fear, your body just worries about itself. Chemically, your body goes into survival mode and it shuts down as worrying about yourself. Now, if we think about what's going on here with the 12, they're concerned about themselves and how much greater they are and are naturally concerned with their own needs. And we have to remember, especially as we're looking through Mark as this leader type of gospel, Jesus constantly is trying to tell us to open up, to open up, to open up. We have to welcome with open arms. So we get this imagery here of him picking up this child and saying that this is part of what we're looking for. We're looking to welcome in people who are different than us. And it got me thinking about family a lot. And one of the things that I have learned a lot over the last five years, I my significant other lives in Phoenix, Arizona, and her family is very close in proximity. And so I've gotten to learn where my family, we're close in talking in different things, but we're not close in proximity. And so I've learned about how that changes the family dynamic. And how that, especially in the Southwest, that's a very cultural thing that we get where families stick together and they work together and to harvest this type of thing. And I think it gets back into this imagery that we even start to see here in the gospel because Jesus is opening up kind of his family unit here in a moment. He's telling us that we need to open up and to receive to welcome the people around us. And why is that? Why is he looking to this child as this example to be revered? And I started thinking about this and kept remembering back to, and I'll attach some videos down below, of bison. We see this with bison. When you have wolves hunting them or somehow they're being threatened, if they're in a herd, they start to circle. And when they start to circle, they try putting the young in the middle, And all the parents then with their horns are facing outward so that they can charge a wolf or charge whatever the predator is, but there's protection. And if you think about that, it's really quite odd because you're taking a fully mature animal who has gone through the rigors of growth and development and has invested all this time to get to this point. Why is it putting its life on the line? For something that's not developed, for something that hasn't proven its character, if we want to put it in human terms, it hasn't proven itself. We don't know what it's going to be like. And that's where in the animal kingdom, it is very well known and talked about that you're worried about spreading your genetic material. You're worried about just passing your genes on. That's the whole big part of mating is a lot of these different rituals and stuff that you see is finding a suitable mate, finding somebody who has good genes to be able to mix with, to be able to further on whatever is going on. 
further on their genetic material to pass on to the next generation. It's where when there's environmental changes, we've seen this, I know, with moths, and I'll try finding an article talking about it below. When the Industrial Revolution started coming around and you had more soot in the air, there were different species of moth, that there was two variations, a dark variation and a light variation. And the light variation had been preferred before that because you had the cleaner buildings and it would blend in better. But once you had the soot that came from the Industrial Revolution, it totally switched the genetic material of these moths that what used to be favored was no longer favored. So why do I bring this all up? Because I think if you get to the core of these bison will take, for instance, protecting their young, they realize the world is more their child's than theirs. And they're more concerned with the life of theirs. And if you talk to any mother, they will repeat that sentiment, how important that child is to them. Jesus is talking about here that we have to not be concerned about ourselves as much. We have to be concerned about the greater good. When those bison come together, they're worried about the greater good of protecting the few young that they have. And if they lose one adult to protect four young, they see that as a win. They see that as beneficial. They see that as a positive. That's something I know for me at times, it's hard for us to wrap our head around. But we're kind of seeing this. Jesus is saying that we have to be open to welcoming others around us. Because when we look at like the Jeremiah reading, we don't know what they are providing us. We don't know What new insights to understanding God are they going to provide us? We also, as a young, if you're a young bison or as a group, we're seeing, like in the alternative reading from Proverbs, the beauty of the mother. The mother working hard to show the character who they are and how much they mean to them. How much do those young mean to them that they're willing to lay down their life This is what Jesus has just talked about to his disciples and how much we mean to him that he is going to go through this. And the disciples have already called him out last week. Peter is saying, you're nuts. You can't do this. And yet he's saying, I must. This is what I have to do. We get then in this Proverbs reading talking about us understanding the role of how strong a mother can be. But above all, she's a God-fearing woman, which ties directly into James. That we cannot get consumed with the things that we should be fearing here now. Our goal, our duty is to understand and to contemplate what Jesus is telling us to do. What is he calling us to do so that we can understand that wisdom? I think it's really interesting when we're watching these bison or when we're watching these different species of animals and looking how they're putting favor or putting a higher priority on their young. It's me me not being a dad. It's maybe me not understanding it. But I think it's also something that Jesus is then talking about all of us because he goes to what would be considered the least of us, the children at that point. It's a little child. It's not a strong child. It's not a big child. It's a little child. An insignificant, nothing amazing about this child. But he's saying that when we're welcoming that in, 
we're welcoming in God. When we're welcoming and letting the family, the herd, work together to protect the young, we're welcoming in God. This is, yes, a personal journey, but in this personal journey requires community. It requires us to work together as teams, as a unit, to strive toward a goal, reaching a goal that we're all trying to reach, and all of us is going to have a different finish line, but we all still have the goal of moving the mission forward. It's hard. It's difficult. But when we start looking to how outside the human race, looking even at chimps or looking at deer, how they will work so much together for that family unit. A story that I'll tell you, I distinctly remember, I guess it was two summers ago. It was in the early spring, so it was like May. And I was out helping my mother prepare a garden, and we were had some tall weeds just just outside the lawn. We're out in the country, and I was throwing some rocks over into this tall grass, and one didn't quite get all the way over there. So I go over there, and I'm picking up the rock and just kind of looking at some of the different rocks that we had also set on a set of stairs that were out there. And one slips out of my hand, and all of a sudden this thing gets up and starts making this weird noise I've never heard before, and it's a fawn. It's a baby deer can't be more than maybe a week old and it's screaming you know making its call looking for its mother and the mother comes from running across the yard and we have a fairly big yard but it comes running out of the woods and it's coming straight toward me and i can tell by the the look in the eye of that mother it was not worried about me it was worried where is my child and i It's one of the coolest experiences at that moment when I started just, it's over there, it's over there, and I'm pointing to the fawn. And the mother does this huge, quick U-turn to meet up with her young. It's this image that we've had so much before of God running toward us to welcome us in to make sure that things are okay, that he's there, he's taking care of us. But it's also at times we need to understand there is the mothering side of God that is willing to work hard to make sure that that young is provided for. That's what we're getting. We're almost getting what would be considered in Western society this mothering side of God in the text here from Mark. When Jesus is taking this child, probably sitting them on his knee, holding him very mothering-like. We've seen this around us consistently. But yet we get consumed with ourselves. We love to, especially here in the North, I got to go and find myself. I got to go and establish myself. And that's important. But in that, we cannot forget the community that helped make us who we are, the community that helped make and protect us as we grew up, and to continue to pour into that community because they get as much out of us as we get from them. No matter what the age, no matter where we're at in the faith journey, we all have something to teach each other. So the Twitter question of the week, I think, should be something around this idea of how welcoming are you? Are you doing a good job at helping the community 
at large. So how welcoming are you and how good are you at welcoming the community at large? I know for me, as I am transitioning into this new job and I'm the new guy and there's all these people, they have to learn one name and I have to learn feels like hundreds and it is hundreds. It is amazing how that little bit of kindness, that little bit of someone going out of their way to make sure that you feel at home makes a big difference. And as we're looking at this, it's easy for me that I could point out the people who have done it. But when I look at it as a whole, I try more looking at it as the church welcoming me. And that's what's so amazing. And I think at times, instead of singling out the people who are doing it, realizing it's the body at large who's doing it. So, and I guess one other challenge I'll throw in there is if you can find other examples of this this week, I'd love to hear your examples. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear your concerns. You can shoot me an email, which you're getting the podcast from, or feel free to also tweet at us. Faith and A-N-D, Sci, S-C-I, pod. On Twitter is our Twitter handle. And the question will be there. Feel free to do a response or just shoot me an email. Get in contact with me. I'd love to further this discussion with you. I'd love to hear what you have to say. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.